Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host, Eric, alongside with expert analyst, Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey, everybody. It's Eric alongside Rod. We're here to have our Michigan preview. Before we begin, I just wanted to thank a few patrons. A new patron on the Draymond Green level Scott Driscoll, thanks so much, Scott, for the support for the show. It's becoming a monthly contributor. And also some one-time gifts via PayPal from two patrons. Uh, one is Greg Gardner. And Greg left a note just saying, appreciate what you both do, Eric. has been a good compliment to Rod Supreme MSU basketball knowledge and objectivity. You two make a great listen. Thanks so much, Greg. And also from uh, Will Kurtz. And Will also thanked us for... The great show. Uh, he's 1970 grad, grew up in Idris Hills, saw his first f- football game at age nine, which I'm thinking is probably about me. Maybe it's a little bit early than that, but lifelong Spartan. Content's good as it gets. Keep up the great work. Thanks so much, guys. We appreciate it. And we appreciate all of you who support the show. If you want to support the show, either on a monthly recurring basis or a one-time gift, you can go to thefinalfoursontheschedule.com slash support. And there you can sign up and help us out. We appreciate it. So we're going to begin the show, we're talking about Michigan State as a restart the season after I, you know, I, there's no superlative. There's no, um, there's no word that describes what occurred on campus on Monday night. Uh, it was, I don't know, you know, evil, heinous, there are a million words you can probably use to describe it, but I don't think it even more adequately sort of, uh, encapsulate sort of what we all felt and what occurred. Um, but I would like to point out before we <clears throat> start talking about things that, that, there's another Spartan story that I think we need to keep in mind, and that is one of uh, Coach Garland, who was on our show, and he uh, just recently retired. Uh, he'll be on our show in a couple weeks as well to talk about the Iowa game afterwards. But his is the opposite story, and it's one of you know Samaritans, people helping out. It's a, a man who was basically dead, and only people who went out of their way to do the right thing, they stopped and they performed CPR, they contacted the the EMT, they got there, and basically all these people came together who, in many ways, weren't obligated to, and they did the right thing, you know, uh, and so I, I'd like us to just kind of think about that because it's easy to focus on just the terrible things because I think that's a natural sort of human reaction to focus on the problems in the world, but I think we need to also focus on sort of the good things, and I think that was one that's a good example of how I think most people respond to problems that they respond in the right way and not always with violence and uh, terror. As far as, and I'll hand it over to you here in just a moment, Rod, but, you know, I I think, you know, when it comes to playing this game against Michigan, which is on Saturday night, it's a rivalry game. It's one, you know, we all know the history of the programs and uh, what 
what Michigan is like. Uh, I think I don't think there's any right answer as far as whether you play or don't play. I know everyone has their opinions, and I understand that. I respect that. I I don't know Tom Izzo personally. Um, I can only sort of infer from his conferences and sort of how he's been and sort of what he's said in the past and sort of the way he runs his program throughout the years. And I would assume that Izzo has both collectively and individually spoken with his players to decide if what to make sure that they're doing what they are comfortable doing. And, you know, whether that's the right thing or not, I guess, you know, you can, you know history will bear that out, I suppose, uh, whether this is the right time to play or whatever. But I trust that they have come to decision that they think this is the right thing to do and that's best for their players and that they, that probably they, something they feel like they can do to maybe help the university or help themselves or whatever. And so I trust that he's not forcing them to do things that they don't want to do. And so I'm confident in that, in the sort of the program that he runs. And finally... I would also point to the Chris Street episode. And if those of you don't remember, it happened back in like 91, maybe 90, I think 91 or 93, perhaps where Chris Street was a basketball player for University of Iowa. And he was struck by a snowplow and died. And so Iowa had the decision what to do. They, I think they just canceled the next game. I don't think they even played it. But then they played the next game, which was on the road at Michigan State. Not a rival, but it's certainly another Big Ten team, which they ended up winning. And then their next game was at uh, was at in Iowa City back at home, uh, which I think they beat Michigan. Um, and I, I think in some ways it's almost easier for Michigan State's first game to not be at home um, and to be on the road and kind of get that first game out of the way and then to return home. It's not easy that it's Michigan, certainly. But, you know, the way the schedule works and stuff, there's just no way to, you know, make up these games. So they already canceled the Minnesota game, which I don't know, looking at the schedule, I don't know how they make that game up. I don't think it's possible unless one team decides to play back-to-back nights or something like that. But um, so anyway, that's kind of where I land in sort of the, the whole, you know, whether we play or not or whatever. But I'll just hand it over to you, to Rod, and see what you have to add. I don't think the game should be played. Um. I'm very disappointed in the decision that Michigan state has made. And that's, um, that's without disagreeing with anything you've said, I I have very little doubt that the Michigan state players have all indicated they want to play that if they didn't, that if there was any hesitancy, that that would be reflected in the decision. And because the decision is to play, right. I, I assume that that's not the case, but I have to tell you, um, I am very, very skeptical of the idea of a basketball game being used as an instrument of healing. That's a cliche that we hear. And I, I, I don't think that that is the proper way to be looking at things anyway, that we need to use these things as a, as a tool to help people get past whatever they're feeling. Um, so I, I sort of dispense with that stuff right out of the shoot. It may be, it may be important for the players on the Michigan state team that I'll buy, but as something bigger than that, beyond that, I'm, I'm skeptical of that. Um, but that doesn't even look, uh, I think reasonable minds can differ as to 
the decisions that one makes as to when to attempt to get back to quote unquote normal. Uh, I saw this afternoon that the state news um, editorial board, which is made up of, I believe, of the students who uh, work at the newspaper, put out an editorial saying they don't believe one week is nearly enough in terms of time off from classes. Class is supposed to start back up on Monday. And they're saying, no, so we're not nearly close. Tom is close enough to be able to even think about that. Um, I can't say, I can't say that there's a right or wrong answer to that. Um, Tom Izzo himself yesterday speaking at that, um, the event that they had outside the auditorium, you know, talked about how each person needs to grieve in, in their own ways. And I, of, of course, I agree with that. So again, I, I think from that perspective, in terms of the propriety or not of playing a game in the immediate, because it is immediate still, we're just a few days removed from this in the immediate aftermath of an event like this. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna weigh in on that because I don't I don't think there is a right or wrong answer to it. I, I think it's too difficult um, to discern the correctness of that. But uh, but yeah. I do have very strong feelings as to why this game shouldn't be played totally outside of that. Um, uh, the prism that I look at it through is what is best for student athletes that are on the Michigan state basketball team. And I think that if circumstances were different, you just mentioned it. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate that their first game back from this will be on the road at Michigan. Well, I'd, I'd use a stronger term than that. If this were somewhere else, maybe, maybe I'd feel differently about it, but it's not. It's at Michigan. And this is what I'm concerned about. Rivalry games always involve heightened emotions, no matter what the circumstances. You know, under normal circumstances, they are a high tension high emotion sort of mm -hmm. atmosphere. You are taking kids who just saw classmates gunned down on campus, not five days ago. And you're putting them into a situation where they are playing not just any game, but they're playing Michigan with all that goes with that. So you, I start from that premise, boy, not exactly ideal to be playing this game against this opponent in that, in that particular venue. Then I add to that, this particular program, if this were John Beeline's Michigan, maybe I feel a little different about it. Maybe it's not. This is a program that just had a game on Wednesday night, or was it Tuesday night? Tuesday night, I'm sorry. Where they went to Madison, Wisconsin, which to remind people, 
was the site last year of an incident where their coach, Juwan Howard, slapped an assistant coach on the Wisconsin staff in the handshake line. And who, in the post-game press conference after Michigan lost, talked about how he owned his mistake and he's apologized for it. And yet, he had one player on his team show up from the game in a full-face ski mask talking about how um, they wanted to steal a win in Madison. Now, I'm not quite ready to assume that that player was attempting to make any connection to what happened at Michigan state in that act. I'll take him at his, I'll take him at face value as to what his intent was. It was still horrendous. And then the coach's head son was wearing a t-shirt and warm up saying free Jawan free him from what the night in the slammer. He probably earned because of, as a result of the assault committed, <laughs> This is the program you're taking Michigan State into play. Not an abstract University of Michigan community. This program, their head coach could say any combination of words he wants about how they feel about this situation, how they're intending to act or anything. And I don't think he's given anyone even the slightest reason to believe it or to have any faith in the idea that he's going to have his team ready to conduct itself the way you would like to see it. So, and that's how I've been viewing this thing ever since this horrible event happened. It's like, you can't play this game. You can't play it. Not, not be solely because uh, taking it totally Mm -hmm. outside of, as I say, the propriety of, when you try to do things to get back to normalcy or, or any of that, I am not going to speak to that because that's not for me to judge, but this, I think I've got an opinion on this. that's at least grounded in a sense of reality. This game shouldn't be played. It should be canceled. And if you could reschedule it in the next two, three weeks, maybe then you play it. But right now with how raw this stuff is, Izzo himself said his press conference today, his team apparently practiced somewhere. I don't know where, because supposedly all of campus was closed yesterday, but apparently they practiced and he said it was awful. Anybody surprised by that? Um, You're going to take a team that's in that frame of mind and you're going to put them into this situation against this program. No, I I just, I, I think it's a terrible decision. And you know what? If they come through it, and everything's fine, and there are no incidents, I'm still going to think it was an awful decision. Because to me, the very fact that this can be fairly debated, that one can raise the points that I've just brought up, is enough of a reason to not play it. Why would you ever take the risk of something happening? Why would you ever do that in this situation? It makes no sense to me. I've never been uh, less enthused to watch a Michigan state basketball game in my life than I am right now for this one. I, I don't think it should happen. And I'm, I don't blame Tom Izzo and I don't blame his players because I would have expected them to react this way. The, another thing he said in the press conference was that he never thought about canceling it. He did imagine that 
the presidents and the athletic directors discussed it. It should have been out of his hands. And, and my concern is you have an interim administration at Michigan State right now. You have an interim president. And I think this whole thing is a little bit beyond them. Because I think if there were clear heads looking at this, they would say, you know what? We're not going to take if there's a if there's a five percent chance that something that something bad happens here, we shouldn't take it. If you're playing anybody else in the conference, play the game, not them. Not them, not there, not now. That's how I feel about it. And I understand people, others, others feel differently. I think you feel differently, Eric. That's fine. Yeah. But um, as I say, I've never been less enthused. I, I barely want to talk about this game because I just, I think it's a travesty that it's happening. I, I, it shouldn't happen in my book. You, you shut this down and you get back to it against Indiana next week. That's where I would be. You know, what I find interesting is um, if had nothing happened on Monday and we were just going to this game as normal uh, and then watching what had happened transpired at in Madison, it is clear to me, and we talked about this in preseason with, with Juwan Howard and, um, you know, this anger issue and the ability to sort of control yourself. Clearly, he is not, he's not fixed this problem. I mean, I think you saw that with the technical foul he's running uh, half court. In a game where for, there's every reason to be restrained and to be controlled. This right? is I mean, my obviously, point. Right. This no, is I, my point. I totally understand. I, I was just going to just mention, I just cannot, I'm surprised that he has not made any, he he hasn't owned it, right? Like, I, I to your point, oh, the oh, arrow just he says he has. Yeah, well, there, there's no question he hasn't because no one would allow that behavior on that in that situation with the you know under the microscope on a in Madison. Maybe not if people care about it, the game because they're two teams that have no chance of doing much of anything at this point in the postseason. Probably, uh, you know, maybe Wisconsin makes in the tournament as uh, like a you know last four in or something. But uh, I, I I just I was just surprised that he does not seem like that he has grown at all since last year. Like you know that was an opportunity to sort of you know correct yourself and uh, you know, maybe I'm not surprised but it, it it is a little surprising that there's not been uh, any move to you know be be better and I uh, it's disappointing I'm not surprised in the slightest and we talked we talked about it here before yeah there has been no indication that I have seen from him that demonstrated that he really understood and took on board the significance of what had happened, what needed to change, the severity of it all. And in fact, it's getting worse. It's getting worse because he's got a team that has demonstrated zero sense of decorum. Hunter Dickinson, if you go up and down the line of the way he has conducted himself this season, on and off the court, including on the court in that Wisconsin game. He makes gestures after he hits a shot as if he's firing a gun. I mean, at what point, what is it going to take? What is it going to take for something to change over there? And, and, and that's what I come back around to. That's what I keep coming back around to. 
you, I, I have no doubt that the Michigan state kids <laughs> don't have blood on their mind. And if anything, I think they're going to have a hard time focusing. But put that aside. Um, you're putting your kids into that environment against this program. Are you kidding me? It shouldn't happen. The risk you're taking, whatever percentage you want to assign to it, that something bad happens, be that a physical confrontation, be that something verbal, be that getting into it with fans, whatever. I would hope that most people would, uh, would reasonably conclude that it is a non-zero likelihood that something negative happens here. And you know what? From where I'm sitting, that's too big. Well, let's talk about Michigan, I guess. We'll talk a little basketball since they're playing the game. Um, boy, Michigan is... In some ways, they've exceeded the, their their record is much better than they are. I'll say that they're fourteen and twelve overall, which is not great. Eight and seven in the league. They've lost two straight. Uh, you know, they lost a one point game against Indiana, and then they lost by five to Wisconsin and Madison, as we were just talking about. And so they are, um, you know, they're still in the mix as far as a good seeding in the Big Ten tournament. But I don't think anyone has any illusions that this is a really good team. They're fifty second in Ken Palm overall, which is not horrendous they're 50th on offense they're 66th on defense offensively they the what they're really good at is they don't turn the ball over um, they're number ninth in the nation but they're not a great shooting team they hit 30 a little under 35 percent from three which is puts them at 143rd in the country and 148th in twos they're a really bad offensive rebounding team 296 which is surprising considering they've got a guy who's a seven footer there uh, and they have athletic guy like jet howard but he doesn't rebound. Uh, they don't draw many fouls. Uh, they're putting him at 230th in at getting fouls. They, when they do, they don't hit them very often. They're only shooting a little under 70%. And on defense, that's where they really struggle um, against the twos at 96. And the threes are a little bit better than they were when they played Michigan State. Um, and su- surprisingly, they're also not very good defensive rebounding team at 112th. And they got just destroyed on the boards in Madison and against a team that was like, I don't know, were they 296 or something in offensive rebounding? I mean, I think they had like 14 or 15 offensive rebounds against Michigan, which is what won them the game, despite not hit, making any baskets the last 10 minutes. Yeah, they're not good. <laughs> I don't have anything. I mean, really, I, I barely, I mean, we'll talk about it, but I just, I'm not kidding. In my entire life, I've never been less enthused to talk about a basketball game than this. Yeah. Michigan stinks. They're not a good basketball team. <laughs> well, that sums it up, I guess. Well, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, it, as far as tournament hopes, uh, you know, aside from winning the big 10 tournament, which is an automatic bid, do you think if they won every game from here on out, which I don't think they would, do you think they make the tournament then, or does that just kind of put them right on the, right in the bubble? I, 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 I live in the real world. They're not going to the NCAA tournament. <laughs> well, they'll be playing one extra home game then when they get to play in the NIT, I suppose. Is how, well, that assumes they have a winning record. I think you have to have a winning record, right? And they're only two yeah, games, five hundred. You would wonder. You would wonder if they'd accept that, but you know they're not my problem. So, <laughs> uh, well, let's let's talk about the starters. Uh, brought to you by the brothers that just do gutters. Uh, if you need gutter work. 
in West Michigan, in the Grand Rapids area, all the way from Lakeshore over to Grand Rapids, down to Saugatuck. Uh, Brothers at Just Do Gutters do a fantastic job. Kurt and his team will set you up and make sure they take care of whatever you need done. Maybe you just need them cleaned out because you're like me and you had a tree grow in your gutter. Maybe you need to have them fixed because they leak. Maybe you just need them replaced. You need some better downspouts, you bigger, maybe some leaf guards, something like that because you know we all love the leaves here in Michigan. Kurt Stoffer and his team are the ones to do the job. They do fantastic work. They're quick. They're insured. Uh, I mean, you just can't go wrong. Uh, you can contact Kurt at Kurt.Stauffer at brothersgutters.com. That's K-U-R-T dot S-T-A-U-F-F-E-R at brothersgutters.com. You can find all that information on the show notes and on our website so you can get a hold of Kurt and his team. So beginning with the starters, first Doug McDaniel, 5'11 freshman from DMV. He did not do well in the first mat, uh, matchup against Michigan State in East Lansing. He didn't score, had a, four assists and three turnovers. And I don't know, they, they definitely the strategy with Michigan State that during that game was to uh, play off of him in order to double Hunter Dickinson uh, and allow him to shoot threes, which he missed every single one of them. He averages seven points a game on 36, 32, and 77 shooting and is the best assist person they have on the team at a two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. Uh, he was not the plan to be the starting uh, the starter this season, but of course with loss of, um, uh, I can't even think of his name right now. but with the Llewellyn. Yeah, Llewellyn. And then of course, you know, um, what's his name? <laughs> Went to Arizona State. Uh, Frankie Collins. Frankie Collins. Yeah, yeah I was like, Freddie, yeah, Frankie Collins. So it's obviously he's been just sort of thrown into this role because they have no one else to play point guard. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I can see I can see a way if I squint hard enough where Doug McDaniel could be a, a solid point guard as he gains experience. He has he has very good quickness. Um He's actually improved as they've gone in terms of his decision-making. But right now, he really struggles to shoot, and he's a terrible defender, just terrible. So, uh, you know, what he gives them at the moment as a freshman is the best they've got, but that doesn't mean it's good. He was in many ways responsible for Michigan's loss in some respects because he – he got he was not paying attention. He got his pocket picked at the at the end of that game when Michigan had a chance to go down and tie it, and then I think it led to a foul and some some free throws by Wisconsin. The game was sort of out of reach. But uh, he's a freshman, and I think you know you're going to deal with that, especially when you've got smarter cl- um, guards who have more experience. Like uh, they'll certainly play Michigan State, but even if against Wisconsin. With um, next would be Kobe Bufkin, six four sophomore. Had a pretty slow start this season, but he's definitely become one of their steadiest, probably, scores, and he's averaging a little under 13 points a game at 47, 33, and 83 shooting. He's also playing point a little bit, uh, and so he's probably their best defender, and even in some ways, maybe even the best like athletic rebounder, like a guy who really goes after the ball. Well, I think he's been their best player um, as as the season has gone along. You know, the... The deep shooting is still an inconsistency for him. He, from what I've observed, he tends to be on or off. Yeah. Um, Not a lot of in the middle, Um, but he's very athletic. He's, he's good off the dribble at times, a decent playmaker. He's their steadiest defender. I wouldn't call him a consistently good defender, but he's the best they've got on the perimeter. Certainly. Um, So. Yeah, nice player, and he's actually starting to show up in some first-round mocks. Yeah, I saw that. It's going to be interesting to see 
whether he decides to go, which if I were a Michigan fan would absolutely grind me if they were to lose him right at a point that he's just starting to show that he might be capable of being something special. That would be really, really unfortunate. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's becoming the kind of guy I thought he would be when he was recruited out of high school. Uh, I, I, I was very impressed with him in high school. I'm not surprised. Now, was he the, was he the alternate to Pierre Brooks or was he the alternate to Jaden Aikens? You know, in the recruitment, it wasn't, it wasn't an alternate. They would have, they would have taken, I think they would have taken all three, honestly, if all three had wanted to commit. Um, but, uh, you know, it was weird because Buffkin was selected for the McDonald's all American game after a high school season where he was mostly injured. And I couldn't make any sense of that. Uh, in my eyes, they were all pretty similar players in terms of their level, they were different stylistically, but mm -hmm. all pretty similar players in high school. And I, but I think that the two guys who had better athleticism, Buffkin and Aikens have thus far proven to be the vastly superior players, obviously. Um, and I think both he and Jaden, you know, Jaden, you have to, you have to give him a little bit of a break because of the injury troubles this year. But I think we've all seen enough to feel that he's on track. Yeah. to be the guy that everybody thought he would be and has been very good at times this year as it is. And so I think that, that Bufkin and Aikens have, have really, for the most part, made good on their potential. Neither one is a finished product. Neither one is at their ceiling by any stretch, but they both shown you plenty of good things. I think the difference between them is I think Jaden, Jaden is much more consistent defensively. I think mm -hmm. that's, that's a, and he's been a better jump shooter. I think, I think Buffkin's been a little more consistently assertive offensively. He's able to find shots for himself on a more consistent basis. And that's why he's scored a little bit more than Jaden has, but they're, they're both very good players. Do you wonder too, if, if Aikens hadn't been injured this summer, is he on that draft board as well as Buffkin? And then we oh, have this conversation that he's, yeah, that he's leaving as well. Right. And so now quite I mean, in some ways, Michigan yeah. might be lucky, right. That they, they yeah, abso you know? absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. A guy with his physical tools and his, and his skill set. Yeah, absolutely. Next is Judd Howard, strong six, eight freshman son of Juwan Howard. Yeah, so when we're talking about wearing the free Juwan shirt for some reason, averaging 14.6 points a game on 42, 38 and 80 shooting. Um, he's a guy who can score a bunch, but despite his size and athleticism gets like averages like a one or two rebounds a game. Maybe uh, he doesn't seem to want to defend anyone turns the ball over. Sometimes I, he is a guy, I guess you could argue he's got a really big ceiling, <laughs> but I think you have to ask yourself, if he's ever going to reach it. Jet Jet Howard does one thing well, and fortunately for him, it's it's a thing that will probably get him drafted in the first round this year, assuming that he goes. And that is he can shoot the basketball. At six eight, he can really shoot the basketball. And that's true from three, that's true in the mid-range as well. He is a very good jump shooter. When you look at him physically, he's put together. You think, yeah. boy, six, eight with the ability. He's a good passer, good playmaker. His turnovers have ticked up since the last time MSU saw him, but 
you know, he's still got a very positive ratio going, assist to turnovers. Um, so he's got some of those ball skills that at his size, and again, not just six, eight, but he's put together. You think, man, there's a lot to work with here. The problem is he doesn't play like a guy who's built the way he is. He really has trouble finishing around the rim. I read a stat. I can't remember where I saw it the other day that said, um, he's something like nine for his last 30 at the rim. Hmm. A terrible percentage at the rim. So he doesn't finish around the basket, uh, which really means offensively, he hurts you as a jump shooter. And that's kind of it. And as you said, he doesn't rebound and he's a terrible defensive defensive player, just terrible. So it is interesting though. None of those flaws are likely to do his stock much damage because of the one thing he does. Well, when you're playing Michigan, you have to worry about him because he is capable of hitting shots and not even just good shots. He's capable of hitting contested jumpers partially because of his size. I think that helps him that uh, he's able to elevate over most guys that are guarding him. So very, very capable jump shooter, but there are a lot of negatives there too. Do you, do you wonder too, with a player like him that he spends another year in college and the warts get more exposed and it sort of hurts. That's what I would stop. think. Yeah. That's but, what you know, I would think. Like, oh, this guy is still not any better defending. He's still not rebounding. This is a guy we it may not do anything in the NBA, right? It's going to be a really interesting question because, you know, I, th- I think there are some Michigan fans that hold out hope that what would, uh, what would win out would be the idea that, Hey, we want dad's team to be the best it can be come back for another year and make NIL money, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But if your goal is to get to the NBA and, and he's got real warts, real warts. Yeah. And you come back for another year, how much damage are you doing to the perception of your game? I think that's a very legitimate point. And, uh, you know, I mean, if one thing that can be said for Juwan Howard is he certainly should know what that's all about by virtue of the years he spent, um, not just as a player in the NBA, obviously, but on the coaching staffs. Yeah. So you would think that that would be very strongly considered if he truly is going to be a first round draft pick, boy, do you really want to risk going another year and letting scouts see more of you, you know, it'd be one thing if you were convinced, Hey, he's on a path to improving these shortcomings and he can actually improve his stock. I don't know how realistic that is. He does. He strikes me as a very, I, I hate using this word like, because I seem, but like, he seems a very selfish player, like not a great teammate. Yeah. Well, th- there's a, there's a great, there's a great point to that. Um, to what you just said from their game previous to the last one, when they played Indiana over the previous weekend, and got beat by a point. Michigan had a chance to win that game. They had the last possession. And Jed Howard had the ball, and he had Hunter Dickinson in the post about, I don't know, eight feet from the basket, maybe. And instead of throwing the ball into his big man and maybe trying to win it the way Purdue did with Zach Eady against Michigan yeah. State, um, Jet elected to try and dribble uh, for a jumper that was well contested and didn't come close. It was a, it was the epitome in my mind of a selfish play. 
so I think there is some of that. Now, defenders would say, well, he's a scorer. He has a scorer's mentality, and that's mm-hmm. his primary job. Okay, maybe. But, uh, and, and in fairness to him, again, he has shown to be a good passer. So I don't think that it's, I don't think it's that, well, the only thing he cares about is putting, putting points on the board. He doesn't care about anything else. I wouldn't go quite that far, but are there traits of um, self-interest, let's say, or, or that he plays with some blinders on at times? Yeah, I think there's a case for that. Well, that kind of actually leads into my next question. So the next player we'll talk about is Hunter Dickinson. We'll go back to Williams in a second. But so Hunter Dickinson, seven foot one junior, uh, who's shooting 56, 41, and 73. He's averaging 17.7 points a game, eight and a half rebounds a game. I'm not quite sure if he's like not liked by the team, by his teammates. If because you think it doesn't look, situ- doesn't look like, like it, it doesn't seem like it, right? I mean, it seems like he's kind of his own island playing with the team. Uh, so that's your opinion as well. I mean, that's other reasons. Yeah, I, I think there's, I think there's a couple things that work here. I mean, one is, um, that I think he's frustrated if I, and I'm playing armchair psychologist. admittedly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This sure. is, but this is what I see. I see a guy who doesn't look like he's very happy playing with this team. You know, he came in as a freshman, let's remember, and he was surrounded by a bunch of veterans and that team was better than anybody expected it to be. Right. And it was good enough and experienced enough that it could make up for and mitigate some of his weaknesses defensively, especially. And so that was a very comfortable spot to be in as a freshman. You know, you can just go out there and do your thing and you know that the things you struggle with, your teammates help you out. And you're not exposed and the team wins a ton, you know, and then last year he was much more at the center of it and they weren't good. They had their little run to get to the tournament and then they won a couple games when they got there. But let's be honest. It's if you want to say the sweet 16 run salvaged their season. Okay. I, I don't think it really did relative to expectations. And this year's been worse. Yeah. So he doesn't look happy to me because he's surrounded by guys who can't really help him the way that he was helped in his freshman season. And, and then I think you look at them and look, if you were a teammate of Hunter Dickinson's, does he look like he'd be much fun to play with? (laughs) I mean, really? I just, I sense that there's no joy in his game. It's, it's all, um, it's all posturing. Yeah. Performance. uh, Yeah. And performance, even, even this heel act, it's all, it's all very forced. I mean, guys, guys who, who truly are, you know, take that hated thing and use it as fuel We've all seen it before. I mean, Scott, look, Scott Skiles was the, the epitome of that. Um, even a guy like Grayson Allen or, or Christian Leitner, especially at Duke, mm-hmm. you know, Duke's had a few of those guys, but it doesn't feel forced. Dickinson is just forced. I mean, I saw somebody and it, it's, it was a very good way of putting it. His act is corny. 
Yeah. It it, feels it really WWE. is. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But even, even that, I mean, God, you know, <laughs> Ric Flair won, right? <laughs> Most of the time, this yeah. guy doesn't win. He's out there. He's out there running his mouth and wearing ski masks and calling fan bases scumbags and, you know, uh, talking about Michigan State students and, and academics. I mean, it's on and on and on. And it's all just it's it, it seems very forced. It seems very artificial. And to what end? You know, what are you getting out of this? Either individual. I th- I'm sure he thinks he's building a brand. Yeah, I, I don't think that's I don't he think. I don't think that's happened. No, I think he's wrong. Yeah, he's wrong. And and uh, and it hasn't helped your team. And and then you look at the bottom line. You say, well, how has he played? This would be my point. Two years ago. Forget two years ago. Last year, you probably would have ranked the three best players in the current Big Ten in the following order last year. Hunter Dickinson. Trace Jackson Davis, Zach Eady. Mm-hmm. This year, Zach Eady and and Trace Jackson Davis have gone to Alpha Centauri. They're out of the same solar system <laughs> that Hunter Dickinson is in, right? Yeah, yeah. Hunter Dickinson needed to be that kind of player for this Michigan team to be really good. He had to be, especially with their point guard situation. They needed him to be the kind of uh, put Zach Eady off the table because that's just, you know, some freak show stuff and, and, and focus on somebody like Trace Jackson Davis. Trace Jackson Davis has elevated every single area of his game this year. Every single one, he's been better. Yeah. And he plays with a motor. He doesn't quit. He keeps coming. That's what Michigan needed from Hunter Dickinson. And he has been woefully short of that standard. So to me, the whole thing's been a failure. And what I'm most fascinated by is, does he come back again? Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, there's this, there's this argument that, well, the NIL money's too good to pass up. Who's paying this guy? Who's cutting him checks for NIL? What is he worth to you as a, you know, on any level, uh, and, and then from his perspective, is, is that it? You're just, you're going to do one more year at this level and play disinterestedly and drag your team down with you psychologically, if nothing else, I just, man, if, if I were, if I were Jawan Howard, I would look at his team and I would say, get rid of this guy and let's bring on the Terrace Reed era in full effect. Yep. Yeah. It's well. I mean, I think his NIL, that podcast is certainly his sort of his main thing. That's certainly building the brand. And well, we've got a podcast. We can tell you he's not making a ton of money <laughs> doing a podcast. I would, that, I'd be shocked if it's uh, if it's significant. We have amazing supporters who, you know, well, the send only us thing, the support. only thing, the only thing about that is, of course, that podcast is is sponsored by. Uh, it's it's part of the Barstool Network, I believe. So they may be cutting a check that is out of proportion of what that po- the revenue that podcast actually generates. Yeah. Well, they, but won't, they won't continue cutting that check. If you it's wouldn't not generating. Think. No, I mean, well, where, where, where is, where is the interest? Where is the interest for another year of nonsense like this? And, and again, I go back, 
to all the stuff I was saying at the outset about this game and why it shouldn't be played and all of that. If you are Juwan Howard, why do you want this for another year? Another yeah. year of this? Are you insane? You end it. You end it as fast as you man. Whenever their season ends, probably at the Big Ten tournament or an NIT game, whichever. Uh, the moment that ends, say, hey, Hunter, man, it's been great. Good luck. That's what I would do. Well, I mean, you look at this guy and he was a huge splash when he hit as a freshman because I don't think anyone expected him to do what he he did. And not I not know. at the not at the level he did. I right. Mean, I he was he was he exceeded expectations. Right. That's always Absolutely. what you want to be. And to build a brand, you want to be uh, you want to be beloved by your fan base because you know at a minimum you can say nil doesn't you know he may not be a national name but it may be even a regional you could be like a Big Ten name you know if you become be- but you have to be beloved by your fan base. I I don't see that so I don't know where. Oh, NIL that's standpoint the thing. Is going. And I, I, I'm that's with you. I don't point. see where it is. That's my point. I don't think by and large, I don't think the Michigan fan base could anymore. His coach shouldn't. I don't know if he does or not, but he shouldn't. If he's paying attention to what it's doing to his team. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and again, if he were, if he were an asshole, but he was, he was performing at the level that trace Jackson Davis is okay. You know, it's, it's like, I made this comment the other day that the whole he's an asshole, but he's hard asshole thing works only if you're winning. If you're not sure. winning, then you're just left with the asshole part. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally true. And the one thing I find, you know, and you just mentioned before that he hasn't elevated his game to TJD. Someone mentioned, I don't know if it's Magbor somewhere, just that, you know, the guy flexes and stuff and you're like, how has he been in the weight strength and conditioning program for three years? And he looks exactly the same. Like it is surprising that he doesn't seem to have like advanced his game in any significant way. Maybe his three point shooting is better. Well, definitely is better, but it's not like he's not like shooting massive volumes or anything. I, <clears throat> I'm puzzled sort of, you know, where, what he's been doing for the last three years to try and make himself better, to give himself a chance to get to play pro. Well, I, you know, I, I think he's got some physical limitations that sort of take that off the board, no matter what he does. I, I don't think he can ever improve, improve his mobility, his footwork enough to give him. And that's the primary reason he won't be a likely NBA player. I mean, I guess you never rule a guy out completely. Sometimes guys can carve out a role as a 12th man, that kind of thing. You never know. But uh, I would say it's unlikely. And, and let's put it this way. If he were to have that kind of career, he's going to have to work his ass off for it because it's not going to be just gifted to him. There aren't going to be any assumptions, you know? And so I don't know how much he could have done, but, but yeah, why, why would you not at least see, I mean, to me, the most damning thing has been the relative disinterest that he's played with this year. That's the thing that you'd really be worried about. I would think if you were a pro scout for any level, you say, does this guy really like basketball all that much? Yeah. Or does, or does he like the opportunities that it gives him to act like a jackass? <laughs> on the, on the evidence, it seems to be more the latter. Yeah. He certainly, you, you saw 
with him in the you know, physical assets that he has and his ability to shoot and think you would expect that he could have become like a Garza, not like a guy who is going to be a few sure, in the NFBA, sure. but can make it on a team and can have a chance, right? That's not an unreasonable expectation, but that's just not in his DNA, I suppose. Luca Luca Garza had nothing on Hunter Dickinson except motor and will. Yeah. Hunter Dickinson is a little bigger. They're about the same in terms of their athleticism. And I think Dickinson has shown that, you know, his ball skills aren't worse than Garza's. Garza's shot a higher volume of threes, but Dickinson's up to 41% this year from three. He's, he's capable of shooting. So all those same things, but the, but the big, huge gaping gap between them is that Luca Garza played every single game he ever played in my opinion at Iowa as if his hair was on fire. Yeah. Like it was his last game. Yep. Yep. And, and that's what you had to give that kid credit for is how hard he played at all times. Hunter Dickinson hasn't played hard since he was a freshman, maybe. So the last starter is Terrence Williams, six, six junior. He's now the starting four. He's second in the team in rebounding and, uh, their best defender probably, uh, but it's not been shooting the ball very well. He's only averaging 6.8 points a game on 40, 27, and 72 shooting. Yeah, he he missed uh, the Wisconsin game due to, uh, I think it was a knee strain, and he was listed as day-to-day. I'm going to assume that he's back for this game, but it is possible that he doesn't play given that he sat out the previous game. Um, he's, you know, it, it's funny. It's it's this spot, this role that Michigan hasn't really been able to fully solve in the last few years. And it yeah. goes back kind of to the end of the beeline era, but has continued throughout Howard's regime, this Jack of all trades, master of none guy, you know, first it was Brandon Johns in that role. And now it's Terrence Williams. And both guys have had similar arcs where they have a, they have a year for Williams. It was last year where they show enough that you begin to think, Oh, wait a minute. He's hitting shots. Now he's rebounding a bit. Now he can guard some people. Now maybe he's on track and then they follow it up and it's just disappointment. His, his three point shot has uh, really taken a, a nosedive. You know, he's sub 30% now. Yeah. Um, he's their best defensive player. I think overall would either be here Buffkin, but that's damning with faint praise. He's not great. <laughs> he's okay. Um, at Michigan state, he'd be, you know, he'd be thoroughly average. Do you think, do you think him not being in the lineup last at Wisconsin contributed to that? Them just getting destroyed on the defensive glass. Yeah, it, it probably didn't help because, uh, the kid who played in place of him a lot of the time, uh, Shetter, is uh, he's is not good. He's not good <laughs> in that area, and yeah, so that would probably help shore up the defensive glass at least a little bit. But you know, yeah, he's he's the best. I, I wouldn't even say he's the best option they've got because, as we'll talk about with regard to Terrace Reed, yeah, Terrace Reed four, yeah. has improved so much that he's actually played a lot of four yeah. and looked pretty good. 
So I think Terrace Reed is the guy I would go with, but there, there may be reasons, you know, Jawan may not feel that he's ready for that many minutes, you know, whatever it is, but, um, we have Williams been a disappointment because I think they really hoped that this was going to be his year to step up and be, I don't think anybody expected him to be a star, but I think it was realistic to expect better performance than they've gotten. Uh, so let's go to reserves. We'll start with Joey Baker, 6'7 grad transfer from Duke, averaging 5.1 points a game on 41, 43, and 58 shooting. He didn't do much against Michigan State in the game in East Lansing. No, missed uh, a bunch of threes. Yeah, he missed like a bunch of threes. Else. There, yeah, on both teams. Uh, and I don't think a lot of them were really open. They're mostly contested, but I mean, he didn't make any of them, I don't think. Yeah, um, he's done. that's the one thing he's done well, which is shoot the three. You know, he, And there have been games where he's done that well enough that he's been a plus. But I think a lot of times when he's on the floor, it's Michigan trying to play the trade threes for twos thing mm-hmm. because he's really he really struggles to guard anybody. He's not an effective rebounder. So, you know, other teams can take advantage of him. And then Michigan has to hope at the other end that they're able to get him free for enough good looks from outside the arc that they make up the difference and then some. But that's a hard way to play. I don't think you want to have a steady diet of it. But look, on this team, God knows they need him because they need somebody to provide some perimeter shooting and just to just to take those minutes. So next, the aforementioned Terrace Reed, 6'10 freshman, five man, uh, although he started playing four, as you mentioned. And he started to play really well. Uh, he's averaging three and a half points a game on 56% from the floor, 37% from three. Uh, which is up no, from tw- no no from the line oh from Zero the line sorry from yeah from, from the line <laughs> yeah but actually and i would say and they were talking about during the game he's actually much better than that recently he's probably yeah. 60 or 70 percent from the line after his just abject you know terror terrible shooting early in the season he's improved he's improved his free throw percentage 11 points since the first meeting right and so if you're going to do that you've you've done some positive work to hike that percentage overall up that much exactly he pulls down three and a half rebounds a game and I, you know i guess the one the one knock not knock the the one i guess hesitation you have and you sort of mentioned this of having him play the four much is now if he's playing the four he's not he doesn't allow anyone to replace dickinson when he's out of the game at the five spot i just think it's yeah it's a matter of how many minutes can he give you because when he's on the floor He's definitely their best option at the four right now. And I've been, admittedly, I've been surprised. I can definitely understand why Michigan State recruited him. Michigan State wanted him. Michigan beat Michigan State on that kid. And I can see why they wanted him, mostly because the way he moves his feet defensively is way better than I thought he would be. And actually way better than he showed early on. So in his case, it wasn't a physical limitation. It was just how quickly he grasped what he needed to do and what Michigan wanted him to do conceptually in pick and roll coverage. Um, and he is much better than he looked early on to the point again, that they're able to play him at the four and there haven't been a lot of instances that I've seen where teams have made him pay for it. He's pretty good in the post. He'll get better, but he's pretty good in the post, but man, I, I think his defense is that's the main reason why I look at their situation. And I think to myself, if I were a Michigan fan, I think I want Dickinson gone. Yeah. 
And I want the Terrace Reed era to start next year because he might not quite be ready to give you exactly what Dickinson is giving them this year in scoring. Although I wouldn't, I'd be surprised if with minutes, he wouldn't be a double digit scorer, mm-hmm. but man, he's so much better defensively that he will change. He could change things pretty substantially for Michigan at that end. If, if you've got to be good defensively at one spot, in my opinion, in the modern game, the top of my list would be the five because it's just so important to being able to limit the damage that an opponent can do to you in pick and roll. If you've got a guy who can really handle that, well, that is a great place to start. And I think Reed could be that for them in the future. And he's pretty decent now. Next player is Will Shetter, a 6'8", 240-pound redshirt freshman for uh, he Averages 2.6 points a game on 56, 23, and 57 shooting. I, he just rough. I <laughs> He didn't look good in East Lansing. He didn't look good. I mean, he had moments at Wisconsin, like, oh, this guy, and then he does something. You're like, oh, In about five minutes. In yeah. about five minutes offensively. He had, I remember there was one spin move he put on somebody going yeah. to the rim and scored. There were a couple of buckets he got. And then it just fell off the yeah, table. Barreled in people. He and- can't, he can't rebound and he can't guard. And he hasn't shot the ball. You know, they recruited him as a guy who was supposed to be a, a four man who could stretch the floor. And that has not shown up to date. So yeah, rough. Yeah. The fact that he shoots 57 from the line and 23 from three, you're like, yep, that kind of lines up. Right. I yep. mean, if he's yep. shooting 40 from three and 57% from the line, you're like, Oh, that doesn't make it. Or, you know, vice versa. You'd expect that one of them is going to get better, but maybe he's just yeah. not very good. Uh, finally, Jace Howard. The 6'6 junior, uh, also son of, the, of head coach Jawan Howard. He's averaging one half points a game on 41, 46, and 36 shooting. And he basically is <laughs> the mature presence on the, of the Howard family. <laughs> well, I don't know. There were some Michigan fans I saw that were very unhappy in a big moment down the stretch in that Wisconsin game. Jace deciding to hoist a three. Um, despite the fact that his percentage is really good, let's be honest, that's on a limited volume. He's not the guy you particularly want to trust in a big moment, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, he's there for defense and veteran leadership, whatever that's supposed to mean on this team. All right. Before we get to the keys of the game, I just want to remind you to one of our other great sponsors. Of the show is nudge printing. Nudge printing does the printing for the Spartan apparel and they are the exclusive printer for our apparel. So I just ordered a hoodie. I don't know if you've, I think you were looking at those, Rod, but I got one yesterday, got one for my son. It is really great. It's soft. It's very uh, wearable. Uh, it looks great. It's great green and the white. And anyway, I love it. I was very excited. I can't wait to wear it. And I will wear it when I'm shooting free throws against for the finals <laughs> against Ohio State. So I'll be out there representing the, the show. Uh, so go over to nudge printing at nudgeprinting.com. Not only can you get our apparel, but you can get all sorts of different Spartan things, both vintage and new stuff. Uh, other schools are available, all high quality screen printed. Uh, so they'll last a long time. They're very soft, they're very comfortable, um, free shipping, 605 star reviews, at le- or at least probably more than that by now. Uh, and it's all run by Gabe and Brittany who are MSU alums and they are Michigan-based out of Portland, Michigan. If you go to checkout, type in Final Four in the coupon code for 20% off your order and do it today. So we'll be right back with five keys to the game. 
There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, our five keys to the game brought to you by Nudge Printing. Number one, emotion. I mean, obviously, there's going to be plenty of it for this game. And so I think, you know, controlling that and sort of channeling it or whatever is very important. Any rivalry game, but this one more so than, you know, anything you imagine. I just have no idea, realistically, what what you can expect out of Michigan State in this game. You know, um, they didn't practice Tuesday. They're supposed to have a game that, of course, was postponed and may end up canceled on Wednesday. Um, sorry, I, I think they actually did try to practice Wednesday, and as I said, it didn't go well. Mm-hmm. Uh, presumably, they practiced today. We're recording this on Thursday. I, I don't know if it was any better. Um, yeah, you just you just can't know uh, what Michigan State is is going to bring to the table. But, uh, you know, and then on top of that, it's a rivalry game anyway. You'd be expecting an impact and the importance of playing with your emotions properly channeled would be important anyway. But what what this is going to feel like, I, I have no idea. I mean, I, I have faith, you know, with all the stuff that I talked about at the outset, I, I would expect the Michigan fan base and the Michigan administration to conduct itself well. And I've seen indications as to some of the things they're planning on doing. And it looks like as much as you could expect or ask for. Yeah. So in that respect, I, I, I don't, I don't see a problem. It's, it's that I don't trust or have any faith in their basketball program. And I don't see why I should, I don't see why anyone should. They haven't given you reason to. Yeah, and and when you look at that game in East Lansing, the f- first game, there was a lot of you know charge emotion there too, right? We had the tunnel incident at the football game, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of animosity that was kind of going to that game. And both teams, I think, po- really did not channel their their emotion very well. They both were terrible from the field. And Michigan State, I mean, yeah. Walker and there were, I mean, how many air balls they have in threes? Like two or three that game. It was crazy. Yeah. So yeah. clearly they weren't able to handle the emotions then. So I mean. Like you said, who knows what we're going to see on Saturday? Yeah, but I think it's look if you're if you're really focused on the outcome of this game, that's a pretty big factor. How how will it be handled by these two teams? And I I don't think there's I don't think there's any way to to properly assess what's likely there. 
No, I wouldn't be betting on this game. <laughs> That's for sure. Right. Uh, number two key to the game, the 15 to eight foot. So that's a jumper again. Uh, Michigan can't really stop teams inside because, of course, they have Dickinson who can't, on pick and roll, can't come out and guard anyone. Uh, so yeah. that's a way to exploit. And that's, you know, that is in some ways like you can imagine like Walker, that's sort of his bread and butter. Those shots are going to be there. There's there's very little doubt about that. I think the mid-range shot will be present for Michigan State. The question is how aggressive are they in taking it? And do they hit a good percentage of those shots when they become available? It's really what matters. Number three, key to the game, guarding the arc. So Michigan State sent lots of doubles off off uh, to against Dickinson in sort of varying ways and uh, ways that were unexpected by Dickinson. Uh, definitely like um, they were definitely you know, digging off of whoever was guarding um, uh, McDaniel. But, you know, I guess the key is you'd expect Michigan to shoot better at home than they do on the road. They tend to uh, from three. So you have to be a little bit more careful probably this game than in the past. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I to me, if if you're focusing on what Michigan does offensively, uh, it was interesting to see the way Michigan State handled the first game because it was really the first indication we got all year of MSU varying their defensive approach from what it has traditionally been. And yeah. it's continued in fits and starts the rest of the year. We've seen that with other guys, but they really did it with Dickinson. They sent people... They did it a variety of ways. They varied the timing of it. They varied the frequency of whether they brought somebody extra or just played him one B one. And it was effective. It kept him off balance. It kept Michigan off balance, but admittedly it also worked in part because Michigan didn't hit threes. Yeah. They're not, a, they're not a good three point shooting team, but they're not a horrendous one. And especially at home, I personally would be a little bit hesitant to give them good opportunities to get a rhythm established. I agree from three, but we'll see what they opt to do. Number four key to the game is defensive rebounding. So Michigan state had a little trouble against Ohio state, which was a good offensive rebounding team. Uh, they have been generally a good defensive rebounding team this season. And you know, this in many ways goes back to the first key of the game emotion. I feel like emotion oftentimes and sort of your intensity, the way you're playing will dictate sort of how well you rebound as well. And so I think, you know, this is, this is a one, another part of the game. It's going to be hard to sort of predict how it's going to turn out. Well, it has to be good because if, if you're giving up a bunch of second chances to a, to a Michigan team that doesn't generally get them, you're asking for trouble. So if MSU is going to win, they've really, they've really got to do limit them to one shot. And so then the final key to the game are threes. I always mentioned many times Michigan state needs it for their offense to get going. So they have to, they have to shoot better than they did at East Lansing in the first meeting. They can't expect Michigan to be as terrible from uh, shooting as they were the first matchup. Yeah. I, and it's just, it's, it's such a key to Michigan state's offense. You know, Michigan does have Hunter Dickinson as, as an option that they can, you know, whatever the negatives are, they are many about him. The fact is he's getting them almost 18 points a game. And most of that is coming around the rim. So they do have another option to go to that Michigan State doesn't really possess. Um, so MSU's got to be dialed in from three. I think they'll get they'll get clean looks against yeah. Michigan. Michigan's gotten a little better since the first time we saw them in terms of limiting opponents' three attempts and limiting the percentage and success rate. But I still think 
they're they're only so good defensively. Michigan State should be able to get good looks. They just got to cut a cash man. I mean, you watch that second half against Wisconsin. Wisconsin had all kinds of wide open threes they were yeah. missing. So it's not like there right. was a lack of opportunities. They just couldn't find the right. bottom of the net. Right. That's uh, and exactly you, and, what I mean. Right. Yeah. And you'd also expect that Michigan is going to score a lot more points this game than they did in East Lansing. So you have to hit some of these threes. You know, to your point, that we're going to have to have more offensive production than in the first matchup. Probably. I guess we'll see what happens in the game. Uh, I want to remind you that if you if you want to get an, a five dollar gift card to Nudge Printing, I have those available. If you want to leave a written review on our sh- show on your podcast player of your choice, take a screenshot, email it to me at eric at tffinots.com. Please be sure to go to nudgeprinting.com and. Pick up your gear at Nudge Printing. Also, if you're interested in gutters, go to Brothers with Gutters and Kurt Stauffer there, or just do gutters. I guess we'll see what happens, and hopefully it all works out okay, and then we're talking about Indiana soon. So until next time, the Final Four is not on the schedule. Go green. At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail, the ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.